A major battle is brewing in Washington as two House committees prepare intensive investigations and public hearings into Joe Biden's personal role in global enrichment schemes helmed by his son, Hunter Biden. They reap tens of millions of dollars while compromising America's national security. Foreign governments and entities paid handsomely for access to the father and promises of favorable influence. Russians shelled out $40 million. China lavished more than $30 million, and Ukraine brought up the rear with $11 million. Factor in Romania, Kazakhstan, several other nations, and the Bidens netted more than $100 million. Not a bad haul for selling out your country. The president's protectors of the White House are so worried that the ugly truth will emerge, they've assembled the equivalent of a war room to obstruct any effort to dig deep into the incriminating evidence. This includes the damning communications on Hunter Biden's infamous laptop, as well as some 150 suspicious activity reports known as SARS, showing millions of dollars in overseas cash transferred into Biden-related accounts with Joe Biden as an expected beneficiary. U.S. banks flagged a staggering number of these transactions and notified the Financial Crimes Unit at the Treasury Department, where they were given a quiet burial. Joe Biden has no intention of allowing these smoking gun documents to see the light of day. He's already reversed long-standing policy, refusing to produce the documents voluntarily to members of Congress who requested them. Now that Republicans control the House, they'll be forced to issue subpoena. But wait, those subpoenas, won't they be treated like toilet paper and ignored or outright opposed? I mean, who's going to enforce them? The answer is no one. Only Biden's conciliary at the Department of Justice has the power to do that, and Merrick Garland is guaranteed to continue running interference for the Biden family, just as he has since taking office in early 2021. Of course, Garland happily enforced subpoenas for the January 6th committee run by Democrats, but he will do no such thing to aid Republicans. Instead, he'll impede their probe by falsely claiming that any congressional inquiry jeopardizes the DOJ's own investigation of Hunter Biden, which was secretly entombed long ago by the FBI. This makes Garland, who now runs a zealous and vindictive political organization, as corrupt as his boss. Attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times best-selling author. This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. Billionaire investor Michael Pinto has a warning for you. Don't listen to anyone who tells you how bad the crash will be And when it exactly will happen, nobody knows. But the CEO of Wells Fargo warns the worst is yet to come for Americans. Pay attention 
to the economic data. Inflation is at a 40-year high. And make no mistake about it, the recession is real, no matter how the White House tries to change the definition. That's why Bloomberg, Goldman Sachs, and Jim Cramer are all calling for gold to surge. Gold and silver have historically moved opposite the stock market and in the long term can preserve your purchasing power. Call 800-809-8500 and Lear Capital, the number one rated gold company, will present the same trusted options they have been giving successful investors since 1997. At Lear Capital, most IRA rollovers qualify for no IRA fees for up to five years. Their current incentive offers up to $15,000 in bonus silver for well-qualified new customers. A three-minute call can protect your portfolio with the power of real physical gold. Call 800-809-8500 today. Again, that's 800-809-8500 and tell them Greg Jarrett sent you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. You'll recall that Joe Biden insisted during the 2020 presidential election that he knew nothing about his son's nefarious business deals, never spoke to him about them. It was a brazen lie, demonstrably so. Volumes of documents and the statements of one of Hunter's business partners incriminate President Biden as complicit in his son's lucrative schemes. Photographs and emails directly contradict Joe's claim. And so do visitor records showing that the elder Biden met with his son's partners during the Obama administration over and over again. One of them logged 19 separate visits to the White House. Joe Biden misled the American public during the campaign with dishonest statements about his involvement. He continues to this day to be untruthful. Hunter's foreign clients sent emails thanking him for arranging meetings with his dad. One reply email warns, don't mention Joe being involved. It's only when you were face to face. That's why they use code names. Joe was the big guy in Celtic. Chinese energy firm CEFC promised a 10% cut for the big guy who has been identified by Hunter's partner Tony Bobolinsky as Joe Biden. Bobolinsky met with him twice to discuss their business deal overseas. And then there's the father's recorded voicemail message to his son. I think you're in the clear, said dad in the wake of a New York Times story. None of this can be explained away plausibly. So what is the White House doing? They're simply reverting to blanket denials. In fact, 10 days ago, a Biden flack once again stated that the president's involvement was, quote, long ago debunked. Really? By whom? No one with an ounce of credibility. It's true that during the presidential election, a disgraceful group of 51 former intelligence officials, disreputable chuckleheads like James Clapper and John Brennan, penned a public letter asserting that the laptop has all the classic earmarks of a Russian disinformation operation. We knew it was a lie back then. It's an even bigger lie now, since every major news organization has belatedly 
verified the laptop as real. None of those Intel idiots have had the decency to apologize for misleading the American people with their own disinformation and unduly influencing the election. Biden himself relied on their lie during a pivotal presidential debate, mimicking it as gospel. It helped him over the top in the close election. A poll by the Media Research Center found that 16% of Biden voters would have cast their ballots differently if the laptop had not been falsely discredited and suppressed. The mainstream media served as witting accessories to the lie. They did everything in their power to censor and crush the story. They never bothered to verify the laptop. They were so determined to help Joe Biden get elected that they labeled it as a non-scandal, fake news, and yes, Russian disinformation. It was media malpractice in the extreme, the definition of shameful. Not that journalists like CBS's Leslie Stahl give a hoot. In an interview with Donald Trump, she twice claimed the laptop can't be verified. What? Sure it could. Hire a forensic specialist, Leslie. Even better, just contact the people who sent or received Hunter's emails. They're seen on the laptop. Ask whether those emails are true and accurate. I mean, that's what any responsible reporter would do. It's basic stuff. But Leslie Stahl is an activist. She didn't want to know the truth, much less report it. A week ago, CBS finally verified the laptop. So obviously, it can be verified, Leslie. It only took CBS 769 days to do their job. The layers of corruption and self-dealing in the Biden family is truly stunning. There is compelling evidence that Joe Biden was personally involved and benefited financially. He was an active participant in the schemes orchestrated by his son. In addition to Bobolinsky, other characters in Hunter's inner circle must be forced to testify on Capitol Hill. According to an interim report by the House Oversight Committee, documents on the laptop verify that Hunter's partner, Eric Schwerin, helped handle Joe's finances and tax filings. He had access to the father's bank accounts. He was able to transfer money between Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. In other words, they commingled their finances. The report notes that father and son, quote, shared bank accounts and possibly profits, end of quote. Schwerin was also present for key business meetings attended by Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, and foreign nationals. All of this has been in the hands of Christopher Ray's FBI for three long years. The Bureau seized the laptop in December of 2019 and quickly vaulted it in the bowels of the Hoover Building under seal. They took no action except to falsely portray the laptop as Russian disinformation while knowing full well it was not. They thought they'd successfully killed the scandal by hiding the evidence. What they didn't realize is that there were multiple copies of the laptop floating around, three of them 
to be precise. Fortunately, more than a dozen whistleblowers have stepped forward courageously to members of Congress to describe just how top officials at the FBI, riven with bias, commandeered the case and covered up Joe Biden's complicity. This helps explain why no charges have ever been filed despite persuasive evidence of influence peddling, fraud, bribery, tax evasion, violations of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Merrick Garland and his FBI toadies have been running a protection racket for the Bidens, refusing to appoint a neutral special counsel. Why? Because neutrality and objectivity, those are dirty words at the DOJ and the FBI. This leaves it to Congress to investigate, since oversight is a critical duty and function. Representatives James Comer and Jim Jordan, who will respectively lead the House Oversight and Judiciary Committees, have announced that investigating the Biden family will be a priority in the next Congress. And joining me now is one of them, Representative Jim Jordan. Congressman, Thanks for being back with us on The Brief. As I understand it, you're going to be taking the lead on what's been going on at the FBI and the Mm -hmm. complaints of whistleblowers who allege that pervasive bias among top officials uh, is why the probe into Joe and Hunter Biden has gone nowhere. FBI officials allegedly told agents not to investigate the laptop. Is, Is that what you have seen? And will you be looking into that? Yeah, we've had multiple whistleblowers come forward, Greg, uh, who've told us that uh, one one whistleblower in particular, uh, these are FBI agents who come to us as uh, taking whistleblower status. But one in particular said at the Washington field office at the headquarters um, and at the headquarters that it's uh, rotted at its core. Um, so it, we're not talking about rank and file agents across the country, but we're talking about the folks at the Washington field office and here in D.C., uh, that is the concern. And never forget, a different whistleblower went to Senator Grassley um, and said that Timothy Tebolt, the assistant special agent in charge at the Washington field office, was the guy who was involved in suppressing the Hunter Biden story just days before the most important election we have, uh, the election for president of the United States in October of 2020. So we think this is the, a, a critical angle for the Judiciary Committee to examine, particularly when you look at the fact that you had 51 former Intel officials on October 20th, 2020, signed that letter that said uh, the Hunter Biden story has, quote, all the earmarks of being a Russian disinformation campaign, Russian disinformation operation, uh, when in fact it wasn't. So we want to get to the bottom of how did they how, how did they reach that conclusion? Why did they sign that letter? Who were they talking with in the government? Were they talking with folks in the FBI? Um, we think that's an important question uh, for the American people to have the answer to. And, and the FBI knew it was a lie because they had the laptop since December of 2019. Yep. So they sat there quietly as these 51 former Intel officials, you know, people like James Clapper and, yep. and John Brennan um, were lying to the American public. And the FBI didn't you know, step forward and say, wait a minute. We have the laptop. We've seen it. It's the real deal. It's legit. But they they kept silent about that. Well, and it was even more. You're exactly right. They kept silent. But then they took another step. The FBI went and briefed Facebook and told Facebook, hey, hey, be on the lookout for Russian misinformation, disinformation, malinformation, whatever they wanted to call it. Be on the look on uh, lookout for that. Wink, wink. 
basically telling these big social media platforms, oh, you may want to suppress the story about Hunter Biden and what's going on in light of the predicate, which was that letter from the 51 former Intel officials. So that all happens at the same time. So yeah, they were silent about what they knew, but they actually took the proactive step of going out and briefing. I want to know, did they brief Twitter? Did they brief? Who else did they brief? Who, right. we, we know Senator Johnson said they briefed him and told him the same thing. But did they did they who else did they brief in the in the media world? Because all the mainstream media and these big tech platforms, um, they all suppressed the story, uh, which, again, we know had to have had an impact. And based on polling, um, did have an impact on the 2020 oh, yeah. presidential race. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Media Research Center found that 16 percent of Joe Biden voters would have cast their ballots differently if the laptop had not been yep. suppressed and dismissed as Russian disinformation when, in fact, it was not. You know, you bring up a good point about these social media companies. Mark Zuckerberg confessed in Joe Rogan's podcast that Facebook limited any presence of the laptop and its contents uh, because the FBI came to them and said, hey, you know, be careful, Russian yep. propaganda. And after that, Facebook then used its algorithms to halt the story. Uh, Twitter blocked users from posting links to stories, uh, even yep. locking out the New York Post uh, for refusing to take down their true and accurate story. Um, how, how do you see this? Isn't this a flagrant violation of the First Amendment for the government, the yep. FBI, to be involved in censoring stories either overtly or, in this case, covertly. Yeah, no, it, it sure is. When you have big tech, big government colluding to keep information from the American people, and as you point out, infringe on our First Amendment uh, liberties. And I kind of want to know which way did it go first? Did the 51 former intel officials did they call up people in the government? Did they call up? Remember, most of those people keep their security clearance. So did they did they call folks at the FBI, call folks at the CIA, or did someone at the FBI go brief Mr. Brennan, Mr. Clapper, who were putting this letter together? I want to know what was the correspondence at that critical time, again, just days before the most important election we have in our country, determining who's going to be president of the United States. How did that all shake out? And this this coordinated effort, at least what looks like a coordinated effort to to limit information the American people should have been able to see uh, in the run up to the election for commander in chief. You mentioned Senator Ron Johnson, who'd been talking to whistleblowers. He advised, in fact, the Department of Justice inspector general that these whistleblowers say that the investigation of of Hunter Biden and indeed Joe Biden is complicit was intentionally slowed on orders from the FBI yeah. leadership, uh, which invites the question, do you have any confidence in FBI Director Christopher Wray to clean up his agency, or is he part of the problem and not the solution? Because, Congressman, it seems like Wray only takes action against rogue officials when their malfeasance yeah. is made public. He has to know that his bureau is, as I've called it repeatedly, a cesspool of corruption. Yeah, well, I'll give you an example. We had Mr. Ray in front of the committee a while back. I'm, I'm thinking last year, some point, and I asked him about concerns at FISA and uh, that you know that we had seen in in, in the in the whole Mueller uh, Trump Russia investigation. Um, and he said his quote was, 
you can sleep well at night knowing we have cleaned it up. Well, shortly thereafter, the inspector general at the Justice Department come out with a report and said, there still were all kinds of problems with the FISA process. So I, I just take what he said in the committee hearing and then what come out literally not month, not month, many weeks or months after that from the inspector general from Mr. Horowitz saying just the opposite about the FISA process. So that's just the FISA process. But now we have, as I said, 14 whistleblowers who've come to our office and express all kinds of concerns they have about the political nature at the FBI and at the Justice Department. So I think everyone has concerns about how that whole place is operating. Yeah, unquestionably. Um, Defenders of President Biden claim, oh, well, it's only his son. Joe wasn't involved. He knew nothing about this. Uh, I must say that after reading the Oversight Committee's interim report, more than 30 pages, there is mounting evidence that Joe Biden played a pivotal role in his son's enrichment schemes. He met repeatedly with Hunter's business partners. The records prove it. Documents on the laptop show that Joe Biden was an expected beneficiary of the tens of millions of dollars flowing yeah. into Biden-related accounts. Are you convinced that the president did play some sort of a role here? Well, it looks like he did. And then you couple that fact with the things you just pointed out with how the Biden administration has reacted to our inquiries. We've sent numerous letters to the administration about for information we thought was that we, that we needed to see. And frankly, the country needs to see. They've stonewalled there. Then, of course, it's what they did to change the practice regarding suspicious activity reports. In the past, if a committee in Congress wanted to, either party in a committee of Congress wanted to see suspicious activity reports, the Treasury Department would, would give access to the committee members to see those reports. Now, again, suspicious activity reports are reports from financial institutions about just that, suspicious activity with bank accounts, moving money. Typically, it's, it's designed to catch people who are laundering money. Right. Um, so in the past, you could see that the Biden administration said, no, we're going to be the first administration that's not going to let that happen. They changed the policy there. And then, of course, we see two weeks ago, they set up a special group now to come after the Democrats have set up a special group to come after anyone who's going to investigate this story. So the facts you pointed out, coupled with how they've handled our requests for information, how they've changed the policy on suspicious activity reports, and how the Democrats have set up an office now to go after those of us who are going to investigate this, I think further, you know, uh, raises concerns that there was something wrong going on here. Yeah. I mean, it's almost as if Hunter Biden didn't bother to hide his get rich schemes. I mean, the banks knew what was going on. A staggering number of suspicious activity yeah. reports, yep. at least 150 SARS reports. I mean, think about that. Banks flagged them and sent it over to the Financial Crimes Unit at Treasury. I mean, so much cash, Congressman, was being transferred to the Bidens from overseas sources that these banks were outright alarmed. Yeah. Um, and, and I have to think those SARS reports are a key piece of evidence um, I, I know that some members of Congress have actually obtained uh, a couple of those SARS reports. It's in the uh, Oversight Committee's interim report. I mean, it's documented proof of just enormous amounts of money yeah. uh, allegedly being made by the Bidens. 
And as you point out, the Treasury Department is now reverse longstanding policy. They won't hand it over. And the only way that Congress and your committee, for example, or James Comer's committee can get them is to issue subpoenas. But you've got to enforce those subpoenas. And that means Merrick Garland and his Department of Justice has to enforce them. I don't see him doing that. Do you? Uh, I don't know, uh, but I have my concerns about that, in particular based on um, my concerns are based on the fact that we've had, as I've said before, 14 whistleblowers come talk to us, 14 agents come talk to us and talk about all the other political things they're doing at the Justice Department. So if the Justice Department is political, um, I'm, I'm concerned that they will, will not help us get access to that information. Now, you're right. We've uh, The committee has seen two of those uh, out of the 150. But just think of that that number, 100, and most Americans never get any, never right. get a single one. But here's 150 from, from Hunter Biden, uh, uh, Jim Biden, relative to the Biden family business operation that these, these financial institutions have filed with the Treasury Department. Um, and again, as we said before, they've changed the policy on, on being able to, to have access uh, and, and be able to examine those. So uh, all that, again, raises all kinds of suspicions and concerns. We'll just have to see how this uh, how this shakes out. Maybe the avenue that Mr. Comer will seek to 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 go down is he'll go to the banks and ask them to hand over the suspicious activity reports. Maybe that's where you get it and you avoid having to, to work through anything at the uh, at the uh, Justice Department. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. You know, there are many people in the Biden orbit who have knowledge of all of this, uh, not just Hunter Biden. You've got James Biden, Rob Walker. Eric Schwerin, uh, Devin Archer, Tony Bobolinsky, a lot of the partners of Hunter Biden, uh, to name just a, a few. Shouldn't all of these individuals be called to testify under oath? Yeah, I think I think ideally you get the reports first, then you bring in these individuals to talk to them. But if you can't get the reports, then you're just going to have to you're going to have to bring these folks in and and um, and talk to them. Maybe there's folks at Treasury as well uh, who handle these reports that you could get to come in and uh, sit for a deposition. I know we're looking at a number of people. We've sent out letters to various federal agencies regarding concerns we have with the Justice Department and the political nature there. And folks, we want to talk to. Um, I mean, I use the school board's uh, example uh, as an example where, um, you know, we know before that initial letter was sent by the school board's association to Merrick Garland, we know that there were all kinds of communications between the White House and the school board's association, between the Department of Education and the school board's association, and the Justice Department and the school board's association. We think the letter was just a pretext to do what they wanted to do. So we want to get those conversations that took place before the September 4th memorandum, before the, uh, or excuse me, the October 4th memorandum, and before the September 29th letter from the school board's association that prompted the memorandum from Attorney General Garland. So yeah, we think that that's how you get to the bottom of this stuff is those conversations that took place prior to them ever sending the initial letter. And I think the same thing applies in these other investigations. You want to see any correspondence that took place prior to the, uh, the initial activity. I, I think Americans deserve to hear Hunter Biden under oath. Uh, you probably have to subpoena him, but then he's going to say, well, I, I can't testify because, right. you know, I'm the subject, uh, the target of an ongoing yep. uh, Department of Justice, U.S. attorney in Delaware investigation. Uh, but that's going to run in perpetuity because it's clear that after more than four, maybe five years of investigation, they've taken no action, even though. 
Uh, it's been widely reported that federal investigators say they do have enough evidence to charge Hunter Biden, but they haven't done so. There's no fraud charges, uh, bribery charges, tax evasion charges, yeah. influence peddling, violation of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Anybody else would have been long ago indicted and prosecuted and likely convicted. But, you know, as long as this U.S. attorney investigation presided over by Merrick Garland, the Department of Justice, continues, uh, as I say, in perpetuity, um, he can just claim, oh, I can't testify. Even if he does testify, he'll simply take the fifth, won't he? Well, I, I mean, who knows? But I, I do think you're right. I don't know what, what he would do regarding the fifth if he's brought in front of us. But I think you are right. If there's an ongoing investigation, he'll that'll be the reason that he won't, wouldn't come in front of Congress um, that he would cite. Um, I think it just, again, goes to just this double standard, this 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 these two sets of, of rules. I mean, think about this. We, we, we have... We, you have the president's attorney general naming a special counsel to investigate his likely opponent. You have that happening, but yet nothing seems to, but no special counsel regarding the Hunter Biden situation. Like, well, what? Like, and the guy they picked to be the special counsel to go after President Trump was a guy who we know, because I actually deposed, well, he, I was sat in a deposition of Jack Smith eight years ago when we were figuring out the whole IRS thing and Jack Smith was looking to, when he was working at the Justice Department, looking to prosecute the very people Lois Lerner was targeting. Like, you can't make this stuff up. So that we, we all know there's this, this two standards and this political nature now that is prevalent in our Justice Department. And again, it's why we've had the unprecedented number of whistleblowers come tell us. It's totally political over there at the Washington field office and the highest levels of the Justice Department. And that is what's... Greg, you know this, and you've been so good on this, this, this fundamental issue for years now talking about this. America is the greatest country ever, but America is not America if you don't have equal treatment under the law. And unfortunately, that's what we now have. That, that there's no way that anyone with a rational, logical looking at the facts can, can conclude anything else. We no longer have equal treatment under the law. And that is what's so, so scary. My colleague, Matt Gates, said it best. He said, think about this. When will the FBI just stay out of elections and let the American people decide? In 2016, they spied on Trump's campaign. 2018, it was the Mueller investigation. 2020, they suppressed information about the Hunter Biden story, went out and told Facebook and everyone else, oh, be, be on the lookout at this. And then in 2022, they raid the president's home 91 days before the midterm election. And now three days after he announces that he's going to run in 2024, they name a special counsel. Maybe just stay out of it. Let we the people decide who we want representing us. Oh, it, it's well said. And, and, you know, what's so infuriating to me as a lawyer is – I look at this and I read the special counsel regulations. It is mandatory for Merrick Garland to name a special counsel for the uh, Hunter Biden investigation case. I mean, think of it this way. This is uh, Merrick Garland investigating his boss's own son uh, on accusations that implicate his boss. Yeah. And that's the definition <laughs> of a conflict of interest. And as I say, it, it's not optional under the federal regulations. It, it is mandatory. And despite repeated demands by members of Congress that Merrick Garland appoint a special counsel, he refuses to do it. And yet there's got to be a special counsel to investigate Trump. Uh. I mean, this is why the American public you know, increasingly thinks of the Department of Justice as the Department of Injustice. Yeah. It is so horribly biased. It has now become a zealous 
and vindictive political organization running a protection racket for the Bidens and going after adversaries uh, of of Democrats with a vengeance. Yeah. Don't you think? No, and it's got to stop. And it's uh, and, you know, what we can do in Congress is we can we can do the work you're supposed to do under your, you know, when you take your, your oath to uphold the Constitution, do the work so the country gets the facts and the truth. And hopefully by getting the facts and the truth out there, you make it less likely that it happens in the future. And, and you, you, you frame it up and, it, and, and you show the country, here's what's going on. And that actually, I think, becomes part of uh, how people view and frame up the next presidential election and who they're and deciding who they're going to vote for. But that's all we can do in the legislative branch. And I'm committed to doing it in a way that's consistent with the Constitution, but also in an aggressive fashion. Because I think that's what's warranted when, when again, you've, we've seen the things we have seen over the last several years, and we've had the number of brave FBI agents who are willing to come talk to us and tell us how political that place has become. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last question. How concerned are you that America's national security has been jeopardized? Don't these enrichment schemes, the self-dealing, tens of millions of dollars, um, doesn't and it, it appears to involve President Joe Biden. Just look at the emails on the laptop. Um, th- doesn't that leave our president of the United States open to influence, blackmail, extortion by malign or foreign entities such as the Chinese Communist Party? And isn't that incredibly dangerous? Well, I, I think that I think you're right. Um, I think it is. And it'd be one thing, I guess, if, if if Hunter Biden and Jim Biden were doing some of these kind of strange looking deals in, in the in the country they were doing them in was Canada or it was, I don't know, pick another country or was, it was Great Britain or something. But as you point out, when it's when it's Russia, Ukraine, uh, China, uh, countries that have a history of all kinds of corruption and, of course, Russia and China being our adversary, um, I think that just just raises even more concern. So, so yeah, that that is that is I think why um, Mr. Comer is committed to doing this investigation and focusing on the suspicious activity reports because we know that there's been so much money come from. I mean, the, the, what the, the wife of the mayor of Moscow gave Hunter Biden, I forget how many million dollars, and, and and on and on it goes. So, I think the locations I think just just heighten that concern. Yeah, I mean, the Russians, uh, $40 million, China, $31 million, uh, Ukraine, you know, was sort of at the bottom of the list, a paltry $11 million. Yeah. And then you got to add in uh, so many other countries. I'll just name a couple more, Kazakhstan, Romania. I mean, when you add it all up, it's more than $100 million flowing into these Biden-related accounts. And and look at the emails in the China yeah. deal with CEFC, uh, Joe Biden is an expected beneficiary, a 10% cut for the big guy. Yeah. Tony Bobolinsky identifies quite clearly as Joe Biden himself. Congressman, I hope you get to the bottom of it along with James Comer. Uh, I think it's important for America's future. Uh, you know, nobody is above the law, even though Joe Biden and Hunter Biden seems to think they are. Yep. Congressman well, Jim Jordan, 
Thanks very much for being with Thank us. Thank you. Thanks for all your good work over the last several years. It's been, you've, you've been tremendous. Thank you. Thank you. And that's The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.